Morning. How are you? Good. Hey, aren't those intros awesome? We uh we didn't have stuff like that until Chris got on board with us. So, um, appreciate him, and and that's just some of the things that he does. So, thank you. That's awesome. Hey, we're uh, we're continuing our uh, series this morning about heroes and some of the heroes of the faith, and specifically this morning we're going to continue to talk about. Moses and, and look at some of the things in his life. Like all the ones we're talking about, when we, when we talk about some of these big heroes, automatically we think of all these big, great things that they have done for God, which they have. But sometimes we forget that they're just regular folks, just like me and you, and even in the midst of all these wonderful things that God did through them, they, they had faults, just like me and you do. And they had some things that, that sometimes we, we overlook when we look at Scripture, and we forget that, um, that they weren't perfect. God, uh, God never used anybody perfect. The only perfect person that God used was His Son, Jesus Christ. And when you look through the Bible, and you look at all the people that God used, I mean, you know, when He, when he showed up to spread this message of the gospel throughout the whole world, He went and grabbed a bunch of cussing sailors. And, you know, He didn't go to the temple and grab, grab the, the preachers and everybody who thought they had it together. He went along the shore, and He grabbed these fishermen, and He's always, just, he's always done that. It's just awesome how he uses people just like me and you and continues to do that today. So we're going to look at Moses and talk a little bit more about him this morning. If you have your Bible, go ahead and, and turn to the book of Exodus. We're going to be there and then we'll be, we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit this morning. We've got Proverbs and um, a few other uh, places to visit. Now if you, if you just, you can say out loud, you can talk in church, it'll be okay. Just uh, knowing all that we know about Moses as far as his good side, which we talked a little bit about last week. But if you had to think about Moses, knowing maybe what you've read and what you know about Moses, what would you think would be a fault of his? Just say it out loud. Anger. Anger. Oh, hey, that's good. <laughs> I think I'll talk about that this morning. What else? That's, that's what else? Murder. <laughs> yeah, kind of had a little problem. <laughs> He didn't speak very eloquently. He told what? Low self-esteem. Wouldn't think that about a great leader, right? Well, good. Well, see, at least you didn't think he was perfect, so that's awesome. Uh, what we are going to talk about is anger this morning. And knowing, if you look in, in the life of Moses and looking at the problem that he had, had with anger, it was, at times it was just uncontrolled and it got him in trouble. Now, here's the things that I want, want to tell you to start off with before we get into some of the faults that Moses had with his anger, is that anger is not a bad thing in and of itself. The Bible has a lot to say about anger. And just the idea of being angry is not necessarily a bad thing. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, uh, the Scripture talks about God uh, dealing with anger and God having uh, elements of anger. Look in Exodus 34. If you can get there, Exodus 34, chapter 6. And this is when, this is uh, after Moses came off the mountain and he broke the commandments and now he's back up for the second trip and he's getting, he's getting them reissued again. And, and it says in verse 6, it says, And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming. Now this is the Lord talking about himself. This is God saying this about himself. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 
There's God referring to himself as being somebody not only compassionate, but says that there's this element of anger. Slow to anger, doesn't fly off the handle, but God having elements of anger. Look backwards a couple chapters to 32, 12, and you might remember we talked about this last week. And it says, uh, this is Moses talking to God, trying to get God to change his mind because he was just tired of everybody and was going to destroy him. And, and Moses has this conversation with him. He says, why should the Egyptians say it was with the evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring this disaster upon your people. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is Moses talking about God, realizing, hey, there's an element of anger that God has. So anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. The Psalms, if you read through the Psalms, the Psalms are loaded with stuff talking about God's anger and in God's anger and God would do this and he burned with anger and God did these things. So to know that just the idea of you and I becoming angry, there's not necessarily a problem with that if it's funneled in the right way and if we are angry about the right kinds of things and do positive kinds of things with them. Um, remember in the, in the Bible, it's in John, you don't have to turn there and I don't have the scripture, but you can look it up, John two thirteen through 16 where Jesus comes and the people had set up stuff in the temple and they were selling stuff and all kinds of things and Jesus comes in with a whip and he drives the people out of the, out of the temple, the money changers, he drives them out and he says, hey, this is not going to happen in, my, in, in, in God's house, in my father's house. I don't think Jesus just kind of skipped through and said, hey, would you mind moving your tables? You know, this is not, y'all shouldn't be doing this here. I mean, he went through, I think he, he was angry. He, he went through saying, this is, this is not going to happen. So Jesus even uh, showed that there's an appropriate way to have anger. Anger, I think, is similar to, um, similar to temptation. In the Bible, you know, there's, temptation itself is not a sin, right? And how I know that is is because the Bible says that Jesus was tempted. And the Bible also says that Jesus never sinned. So the fact that Jesus was tempted didn't mean that it was a sin. So temptation in and of itself, is not a sin. You and I, probably, I am, you probably are too if you're human, you're tempted every day to do things or to say things or to act in certain ways that could be displeasing to God or go against what He wants. The temptation itself is not a sin. It's how we deal with that. It's how we respond to the temptation. If we give in to it and do things that cause us to sin, that's when it becomes wrong. Anger is the same way. Anger in and of itself is not necessarily a temptation. It's, it's how we respond in our anger. It's our response to that. It's when it becomes uncontrolled and we do things that are displeasing to God that ends up leading us into sin. But there are, there are times when it's appropriate for us to be angry. I mean, we should be angry about things that displease God. We should be angry in, in, in such a way that it motivates us to take a stand at times for things that are not pleasing to God. But to do it in such a way that in our anger, as we'll look at in a minute, the Bible says that we don't sin, that we don't do things that are against what God wants us to do. And oftentimes, I think where that shows up is in how we treat people in our anger. And that was a problem that Moses had that we're going to look at as well. So anger in itself is not a bad thing. Look over, uh, if you look over in the book of Proverbs, if, if you're in the, in the Bible, it's, it's about right in the middle of your Bible. Psalms is there and it's the next book over, Proverbs. Look at chapter 22, 
verse 20, 24. And here's a couple of scriptures that talk about anger being uncontrolled and the problem that there is with uncontrolled anger, meaning basically that anger controls you instead of you controlling it, right? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 says this, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Now listen, that is a powerful scripture. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Now, as just kind of a side note there. I have no idea. But when I read this, this is one of the things that come to mind. You may be in a dating relationship, maybe even in a marriage where there's some problems. And I don't know, especially if you're in a dating relationship with somebody, male or female, either side of that, and that person is hot-tempered, and it takes just a little bit to set them off, and, and you, you don't even know what happened, and all of a sudden they're chewing you out, and they're flying off the handle, and they're saying all these abusive things to you. That is not just common sense, but that is a scriptural reference for you to say something is not right about this relationship. This is not normal, and, and I should do something about this. Now, if you're dating, it's very easy. You can just say, see you later. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to put up with this. And all the excuses, oh, you know, every time I didn't mean to, you know, I'll be better next time. And the next time you just do a little something, they fly off the handle and chew you out. Very hot-tempered. You never know what's going to happen. You never, they're unpredictable. You don't know what it's going to take. We say a lot of times, I don't know what. Something has happened. Just set them off. If you're in that kind of dating relationship, you should perk up and you should pay attention to this scripture because that is a warning that that is a very bad relationship. Unless something is done with the anger problem, that relationship will never be any better. In fact, it will only get worse. So if that shoe fits this morning for you somehow, you should put it on and take heed to what God says. Now, in a marriage relationship, it's a little bit different because it's not just easy to say, well, you're angry, I think, let's just get a divorce, right? But in a, in a marriage relationship... If there's anger there, and, it, and it's of what this is talking about, very hot-tempered, easily angered, and the person is very abusive and saying things and all that kind of stuff, that is a definite sign that you need some help in your marriage because that is going nowhere, and you need to do something about that. Counseling, something needs to be done. Again, that's not just an opinion. It's not just a, hey, this, you know, it's probably not good. This is, the Scripture says it, it's not good to be with somebody who is very hot-tempered and easily angered. That's scriptural advice for you. So I want to just say that to you. In your marriage relationship, if that's, if that's an issue in your marriage relationship, you need to go ahead now and go ahead and be working on that. Don't wait until something happens in the anger to where it's irreversible and you end up having to get divorced because something silly happens that could have been prevented. So it's just a side note, again, if that, if that shoe fits. I think it's very, very important to think about that. Look at uh, Proverbs 29. Turn over a couple, of bo- uh, a couple of chapters to Proverbs 29. Verse 11. A fool gives full vent... To his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Now again, it's not that anger is bad, but it has to be controlled or else it's controlling you. There is a scripture uh, somewhere in the New Testament that comes to mind, and uh, I, think it's, I think it's Thessalonians. Um, but it, it says basically this, and let me say the whole thing and explain it before you kind of jump to conclusions. But it says, Don't, do not get drunk with wine. Instead, 
let yourself be filled with the Holy Spirit, basically. And the idea is that is it's not just necessarily here's this scripture against alcohol and that kind of stuff. It is a scripture against getting drunk with alcohol for sure. But the concept behind that is if you are going to allow anything else to come into your body in such a way that it controls your behavior, whatever it is basically, then that's not good. If you want something to come in and control you, let it be the Spirit of God who controls you. Don't let, don't let the, the whatever happens when alcohol is consumed to the point to where alcohol controls you that's a bad thing because then you're being controlled by it and you have not controlled it anger is the same way if anger if you have a problem with anger in such a way is that when it overtakes you it controls you and you say things like well i do stuff that i don't mean to do or i say things that i don't mean to say what that means is is you've lost control because you you can't control it and you instead of letting the spirit of god control you you've let something from the outside come in and dictate how you're going to respond and how you're going to act. So it's the same concept. And it's a, it's a very serious thing, I think, that we need to, to pay attention to. And it talks about don't give full vent. Don't give full vent. Uh, any of you ever started a, a fire? <laughs> yeah. Whether, whether you do one in a, you know, if you do one in a, in a fireplace, in a home, you can put the stuff in there and you can get that thing going. And you know what you have to have in order for that fire to really take off? You've got to open those vents, don't you, and let some air pull through, don't you? And my mother-in-law has a little buck, uh, it's a, a Fisher stove in their living room, and they put stuff, they use it to extra heat in the winter. And you can put some logs in there, close those doors, and if you try to start that thing and you turn the air completely off, it won't start. I mean, it'll just smolder. It'll just smoke. But when you get that thing lit and you turn those knobs and you let air come into it, you know, it lights up. And if you really, if you really want to burn your wood quick, you can open the doors. And man, that draft will pull in through there and the vent will come through there and those logs will just burn hot as can be. If you ever started a fire outside, don't do this. But you can take a... <laughs> man, that's a fire! <laughs> You can take a leaf blower. Have you ever to accelerate? <laughs> yeah. Call the fire department. Is is Benji here? Benji, are you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Call the fire department if you're going to do this. No, I'm just kidding. But have you ever done that? You can take in a controlled manner. You can take a leaf blower and you can turn that baby on that fire. And you know what happens when when it vents, don't you? You know what happens. When you get the air. That is the same thing, the same concept the Scripture's talking about with your anger. It says, don't give full vent to your anger. Don't open yourself up to such a way that you let anger consume you and set you on fire. And we talk about, I'm so mad my face gets, you know, your face gets red, you get hot. It's the same kind of thing. And in a very similar way, when we get that way, just like that fire consumes stuff, our anger can consume us and with the venom that we spew out on other people it can do great damage to people so again anger is not a problem it's the idea that it's it's not controlled if we don't control it it controls us and that's a bad thing there's a couple other scriptures that tell us that turn over uh, in the new testament in the book of ephesians i've got mine marked new testament uh Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, in that section there, if you're not familiar, you can cheat and look in your index. 
you can look on the screen, but we want you to bring your Bibles. Look at chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. It says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, the very fact that that scripture starts by saying, in your anger, says to me there's an assumption that as a human being, you will be angry. It doesn't say never get angry. It doesn't say shame on you for being angry. It says when you are that way, here's some things that you can make sure and do so that it doesn't control you and instead you can be in control. So it says, don't sin. In your anger, don't sin. And the idea of not letting the sun go down, a lot of people who are married literally have said, you know, we make sure if we're ever angry with each other, literally, we don't go to sleep unless we resolve that issue because it's just a bad way to go to sleep and it's a really bad way to wake up, right? So that's, that's a good practice. But the idea is, is that you don't let that anger set with you untouched, undealt with, because if you do, it's going to give the devil a foothold. You're going to hold a grudge. You're going to want to bring something else back up. You're going to hold it against somebody to be able to, you know, have you, I know you've never done this. I know none of you have ever done this. But have you ever been angry with somebody in such a way that you have all these little imaginative conversations with you and that person? (laughs) See, I knew you never did it. You're laughing at me, right, because I've done that. You've never done it. Yeah, have you ever done that? Boy, if I, they just, just one more. And you just, you've got the whole conversation planned before you ever get to the meeting. You just, you know what you're going to say, you know. And sometimes it's like, well, if they say this, boy, then I'm just going, you're just ready to go. You know, we have to be careful with that because that, not dealt with in the right kind of way, can really grab hold of us and control us, Right? So we have to be careful. So it says, don't hold on to it. The longer you hold on to it, the greater chance that you have for the devil to use that in your life. And don't kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves pretending that we've dealt with it when we haven't. And the best way to know whether you've really dealt with an issue of anger is if when you think about it, if you're still angry about it, you haven't dealt with it yet, <laughs> right? Now, maybe you're in the process of dealing with it, but if you kid yourself and say, oh, no, they did this to me, and I don't have a problem with that. No, they, they can do whatever they want to. It don't bother me, boy. I'm just, I'm just like a duck, boy. Just well, Stuff just rolls right off my back, and then you find yourself, boy, I wish, just wait until I can get a hold of them, right? That's a sign that you really haven't dealt with it. So pray about that. Ask God to help you with that. What's the proper response? Again, it may be that, that, that you may need to be angry about something, but in that anger, you control it and do it in such a way that it's pleasing to God and, and when you, as you behave instead of doing something that would be displeasing to God, which is the next scripture in James. Turn over a couple of books to James. Chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers... Take note of this. Everyone, that, that's everyone, <laughs> right? Nobody's exempt. That's you and me and all God's children right there, right? Uh, take, a, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life 
that God desires. You hear that? Again, it doesn't say that shame on you if you're ever angry. If you're ever angry, but the idea we should be quick to listen. Have you ever been angry with somebody or about an issue because of something that you thought you heard or that you thought was said and you stewed on it and you thought about it and you went over and over in your mind and you refused to go to the person that you were angry with and you kept thinking, well, they said, they said, and you just keep boiling up inside and the more you think, then now every time you see that person, you're just angry at them. Slow to speak, quick to listen. I know a lot of the issues... Uh, I would say probably, I don't know, 30, 40% is high probably of, some, of issues that I've had with people. They've been over a misunderstanding of what I thought I heard or what they thought I said. And when you can ever get with that person and say, well, this is what I thought you said. No, I didn't say that. No, I didn't mean that at all. What I said was, has that ever happened to you? A lot of times we stew on stuff and get angry about stuff that never was really intended by anybody else. So it says to be quick to listen. A lot of times we're not. When people are talking, we're oftentimes thinking about what we're going to say instead of listening to what they actually have said. So it says, be, be quick to listen, slow to speak. That doesn't mean when you communicate. Slow to speak, right? Slow to speak means you can't speak quickly because you're busy listening. I'm going to listen first. Then I'm going to think about what I'm going to say, and then I'm going to talk about it, right? So slow to speak uh, is very, very important. And that is a great uh, scripture that helps us understand that, that it's just not the right thing. And it says, for man's anger, not God's anger, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So kind of put it all, piece it all together that when anger is out of control in us, when we let it come in and control us instead of it control of us controlling it then we act in such a way that's not pleasing to God because it's not possible according to the scripture for you to be angry in the way that we want to be angry and please God we have to do it in such a way that is pleasing to God we have to control that in such a way that our anger that we act in a way that's pleasing to God. When we let it control us, automatically it becomes man's anger. That's not God's anger at that point. And at that point, it's not possible to please God. We're going to do something that is going to be against what God wants us to be or act in a way that God uh, doesn't want us to act. So those are, those are just um, some just very foundational scriptures to help hopefully kind of set the picture for understanding this whole concept of anger and how it affects us. Now, I want to go back and look at Moses. That's what we're supposed to be talking about, right? Let's go to Moses. Um, go to the book of Numbers. That's back in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 20. Now, here's a problem that Moses had. He had a problem with uncontrolled anger. Now, Moses was angry in good ways as well, but he had a problem with, and we'll see this example, not picking on him, but he was human and did have faults, of this uncontrolled anger. It's um, Numbers, I'm telling you to get there, and I hadn't got there myself. Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 through 11. Now, there's another time before this where Moses is just constantly, I mean, let's, you know, I don't want to justify it, of course, but give Moses a break. Man, those people just gave him a hard time. They complained when it was good. They complained when it was bad. They complained all the time, it seemed like. So he's dealing with these people all the time. 
one time before, as they, they were in the desert, they didn't have any water, they complained. God, Moses says, oh, you know, what am I going to do, God? God tells Moses to go to this rock and strike it, and water would come out, and he, and he did, and everything was great. This is a different occasion, similar situation. The people are again complaining that they don't have anything to drink, and why don't you just leave us in Egypt, and we should just, you're going to come out here and die, and we'd have been better off if we'd just been slaves for the rest of our life. So he goes to God again and says, you know what I'm going to do? Then look at uh, verse 7. It says, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he, was, uh, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels! Must we bring water out of this rock? And then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. And water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank, and the world was a great place, and they all lived happily ever after. You see the problem here? Now, it's just small, and you may not have caught it. <laughs> God said... Not like the last time we did this, Moses. You can't rest on how I've dealt with you in the past. This is a new day. I'm a changing God. I want to do things different today. Today, you're going to go and speak to the rock, and these people are going to have water. And Moses says, okay, let's go. Goes to the rock and then ends up striking the rock, and God said to do what to it? He said to speak to it. God didn't need Moses to hit the rock. God really didn't need Moses. You know, he was just using him because he was there. No, this was part of Moses' life and what God wanted to do through him. So let's look at a couple of things. It looks kind of small, but just go down, go down and look at, uh, look at God's response in the next couple of verses. Verse 12 and 13. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites... You will not bring this community into the land I, gave the, I give them. These were the waters of Meribah where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he showed himself holy among them. Now listen, it may seem, it may seem small. You may be thinking, gosh, God is, God's picky. You know, strike the rock, speak to the rock. What is the big deal? Here are, here are some things that I think we can get in the life of Moses that can help us, Okay. Moses heard what God said, or at least God spoke. And he may have been a little slow to listen and quick to speak, opposite of what the Scripture tells us to do. And maybe, maybe was thinking, I don't know, I hadn't talked with Moses about this, but I'm just kind of imagining. Maybe as God was telling him this, Moses is going through his mind. Okay, God, you know, we've been here. We've done this. These people are still complaining. You know, and God, the whole time, God is saying what he wants him to do. But Moses is thinking about what he had already done before and thinking, yeah, yeah, God, I got this. We've done this before. I go over. I strike the rock. You pour out water. And everything's everything's okay until they complain again. Maybe that's what he was thinking. So if he's going through this all in his mind, he's not hearing what God had to say. And again, God is a changing God. He makes his mercies new every day, the Bible tells us. 
So we shouldn't rest on how God has dealt with us in the past, and we should be quick to listen, because even though circumstances may be very similar, God may want to do something different, and we've got to tune in so that we'll know what's going on. But here, I think, was the main problem that Moses had. He was angry with these people. Now listen, this is the same people that I talked to you last week about that Moses had a heart for, right? That was one of his attributes. He had a heart for people, and he was consciously dependent on God. Those are the two things that we talked about last week. Here are these people that he has a heart for, but he's ticked at them, right? Have you ever been aggravated with somebody you love? (laughs) Didn't happen, right? We've got love. We don't need anything else. We'll never be angry again with each other, right? doesn't work that way. Moses, and we're doing a life group about love and respect, and some of you have have been through that. And one of the things we talked about last week was this statement that's in there that they they kind of come across was that, you know, in my heart of hearts, really, I don't mean to do anything disrespectful to you or act unloving to you. You know, it just, sometimes I just do that. But really, when it all comes down to it, in the deepest part of my soul, I don't mean that. I think Moses... It's kind of saying, if, if we were to, to peel back all the way to the deepest part of his soul, he has a heart for these people. He loves them. He didn't want to be angry at them. He didn't want the worst for them. It's obvious because he interceded for them before God. So in the heart of his hearts, he loves these people. But he's ticked at them because they're just on him all the time. So here's some things that happens with, with Moses. Here's the sin that happens. First of all, Moses verbally attacked these people. God didn't say, go before them and speak to them. You are a bunch of rebels. He said, go before them and speak to the rock. And Moses starts off by saying, you guys ain't nothing but a bunch of losers. You don't ever do anything but complain. I'm tired of y'all. Good night. Right? That was the first thing, verbally attacking. And listen, as I mentioned earlier, anger many times shows itself through verbal abuse to other people. We say things that are hurtful. We say things that are harmful. We say things that tear people down. That is a sign, and there's no no other way to, to say it other than when that happens, it's a sin. God is not pleased with that. The other people that we are tearing down, the other people that we are abusing verbally, those are people that God has created. And he loves them as much as he loves us. And for us to tear down somebody else is basically saying to God, you made a mistake when you made this person because they're worthless. And God's thinking, hmm, I don't take too kindly to that. You ever been around a mama who likes her children? And you said something about the children? And the mama hen was ready to flog you all over your head? It don't matter what the, I don't, the kid could be completely in the wrong. That's irrelevant. This is that woman's child. I think when Moses stood up and said, you guys are nothing but a bunch of rebels, basically the sin was he was telling God, these people are trash. I don't know what you did when you created these guys, but they're not worth anything. First mistake that Moses made, verbally attacked those people. Second thing is this. He draws attention to himself and Aaron. Look in verse 10. And and he says, Must we? (laughs) Must we? 
do this? Are we going to have to get water out of this rock? You guys are nothing but a bunch of rebels. Are we going to have to do something about this problem? And just a few minutes earlier, Moses is on his face crying to God, what are we going to do with these people who are complaining? He didn't know what to do before God told him. If we could have done something, we would have done it before we went crying to God, right? He didn't know what to do. He didn't have all these tricks in his pocket. He wasn't this smart person who knew how to respond every time. He needed God. He recognized that, went to God, and then he goes and presents himself before the people as if he's had it together all along and that he doesn't need God anymore because me and Aaron are going to take care of your little problem. Second mistake, left God out of it, brought attention to themselves. We're going to take care of this because y'all are nothing but a bunch of losers. Move over. Let me get to the rock. You know, we can get some water. Mistake. The other thing is this. As I mentioned, God said, speak to the rock, and Moses struck it two times. Anger doesn't always show itself in some kind of physical abuse, but anger oftentimes shows itself physically. People who let anger control them have to hit something. They punch the wall. They kick the door. They punch the car. And to the extreme, they take it and they transfer that abuse onto other people. Anger, when it's uncontrolled, has a way of consuming us in such a way that it's, it's just a buildup. And uh, you just, you know, I just, you just got to do something about it. And what happened here was he raises his staff and he's already angry with these people and we got to do something about this. And instead of just saying, water, God said come out, so could you just come on out? He had to show how angry and how in control he was and struck the rock not once, but twice. A definite sign that he was out of control. Right? Now, he was so angry. Listen to this. He was so angry with these people. And he was so caught up in himself. And so consumed with his anger. And so much, I believe, wanting to show these rebel people who was in charge and who was the boss. He had all that going on so much that he let the anger get the best of him and he ended up sinning against God because of it. That really showed them, didn't it? Have you ever done that? I'll show them. Watch this. I'll punch this door. I'll break my knuckles. They'll never talk to me that way again. Right? Watch this. I showed them, didn't I? You ever been there and done that? I'll show them. And I, I think that was kind of his attitude. I can't, you know, I can't go too far with that without, you know, assuming stuff. But just the idea, I'll show them. And in the, in the process of him thinking that he's going to prove something to somebody else, he ends up getting himself in trouble by sinning against what God wanted him to do. Now, just a couple of things, and I'll close. One is this. couple things to remember. One, there are consequences to sin. Care what anybody tells you. I don't care what we do. 
that's against God and we think nobody saw and we think we got away with it because something didn't just blow up right then. If we, when we sin against God, there is a consequence to that. There is no escaping it. It's like, it's like picking up this music stand right here and, and it has two ends to it. And when I pick it up, I get both ends. There's not a way. Well, on this there is a way. I could probably pull this right out, couldn't I, Chris, and disconnect it. But if this were all one piece, I can't get away. When I pick it up, I get both ends. Sin is the same way. When we engage in sin with God, we don't just take one part or the other. When we engage in sin, we get both ends of whatever it is. And one of the ends is a consequence to God. And sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes we know what the consequence is immediately. But sometimes because of the nature of what we do, we think that somehow we've gotten away with it. And that maybe because God didn't strike me dead, God's okay with it. Or I didn't really feel that guilty that time. There's a consequence to sin. And with anger, it can be so easily justified. Well, if they hadn't said, I wouldn't have... If she wouldn't have done this, I would have never responded in that way. If I hadn't got this kind of report, I would have never. And we can justify it. And we could have, I mean, of all the cases that I'm aware of, Moses could have said, give me a break, God. These people are hounding me 24-7. Still wasn't an excuse. So I want you to know that when we're talking about anger, we're not talking about just making a joke and saying, well, yeah, just how I am. Sometimes, boy, I just fly off the handle. Right? If you fly off the handle and anger has controlled you and then you fly off the handle in a way that you sin against God, that is a sin. And God's not pleased with that and it carries a consequence. Moses, in this time, the consequence was... He didn't even get to go over into the promised land that he'd been leading these rebel people for 40 years. God said, you and Aaron, you're not going over. Now, good thing was Moses, if you read on, got to see it from a distance. But he never crossed. Never went in. That seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? But God's serious about sin. He doesn't take it lightly. And there are consequences to that. So we need to remember that there are consequences to our sin. And the other thing um, to remember is, is that any disobedience to God is sin. And all of that sin carries a consequence. So here's the thing that I want you to think about. This morning, if you're here, uh, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe somebody invited you to come or... Maybe you've been to church a lot. Maybe you've never been to church. And maybe you're thinking, well, you know, compared to Moses, I'm not too bad. I mean, I've never killed anybody. <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm pretty good. This is what I want you, want you to hear. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short and we've sinned against God. And it also says that the penalty for that sin is death. If you've never trusted your life to Jesus Christ because the Bible says that Jesus came to pay that penalty for us. If you've never trusted your life to Jesus Christ, you are without Him, which means you are without God. And, it, and you can say, well, I'm not that bad. I don't do that much. You know, actually, I know people who say they're Christians and really, I live a better life than they do. It's irrelevant because sin carries a consequence. And what I would say to you is, 
you need, to, you need to realize that. And the great thing is this. The Bible says that if we confess our sins to God, He forgives us. And for you to be able to say today, God, I know that I have sinned. Maybe I'm not that bad. and Maybe my life is not that messed up. But apart from having Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I, I'm just not in. I won't make it to heaven. I won't let you be a part of my life on a daily basis because I've not confessed that. So I want to give you a chance to do that. If you uh, Just close your eyes for just a moment. Not going to embarrass anybody. Promise I won't do that. But if you're in that category, you know that right now. You know whether or not you've ever given your life to Jesus Christ. And I would say to you, just you can repeat this prayer uh, to, you, to, your, uh, to God in, within yourself or say it out loud if you want to. And the words are not magic, but it's the idea behind your heart. God... Today I know that, that I am a sinner and that sin has a consequence that separates me from you. This day, Lord, I choose to believe in Jesus who paid the penalty of that sin for me by His death on the cross. And I believe in Him today and ask that you forgive me and that you help me to live the life that you want me to live. Thank you for hearing me and being with me today. Amen. You can look this way. Listen, if you've prayed that prayer, I want to know that before you leave. Somebody, tell somebody before you leave. And here's the last thing. For those of us who are Christians, when we mess up and sin against God, it, it doesn't mean that we lose the salvation that God has given us and somehow we've, we're going to go to hell now that we've sinned once. But the sin does carry a consequence. It's not an eternal consequence because Jesus has paid that for us and we've accepted that. But the consequence is that God is supposed to be ruling and reigning in our lives every day. And the more that we disobey Him, the farther away we get from living the way that He wants us to live, which means our lives are not blessed in the way that He wants to bless them. And if our lives are not blessed, then we're not being a blessing to the people that He wants us to be a blessing to. So I want to challenge you this morning. And again, just as we've done this series and today as it falls on this topic, I want to just ask you flat out, do you have a problem with uncontrolled anger? And if you do, it's a serious issue. And you need to deal with that. You need to let God deal with that. Now, it's not like... Now, after this, God, God didn't treat Moses like a stepchild, right? Still loved him. They still had done stuff together. It wasn't, it's, it's not like that God's just going to turn away from you and, you know, you're such a deplorable person. Oh, you have a problem with anger. I don't ever want to deal with you again. But God wants you to give that to Him because until you do, it's going to control you. And some signs to you would probably be this, that you often... Here's the, here's the language we use. I've got a short fuse. That's the language that we use. Well, I've just got a short fuse. If you get set off over seemingly nothing, why is that? And when that happens, do you degrade people and do you say things that are bad against people and tear them down? That's a sin. That's anger issues that you need to deal with. And the good thing is, God spoke creation into existence. He can help us with a little bit of an anger problem. Not a problem for God. But He wants you to give that to Him if you have an issue issue with that. Maybe, maybe you say, well, you know, it's not that bad. I, I'm only angry when I'm at home. But hey, when I'm around everybody else, nobody would ever know I have a problem. I'm even more worried for you if that's your thing because that means that you're masking it and you're hiding it. 
I'd be more comfortable around somebody who flew off the handle all the time than I would be a person who pretended like they got it under control, but when they get behind closed doors with their spouse, then they just unload. You've got more of a problem with anger if you have to hide it when you get in public. So I would say, deal with that. It's a real issue, and the good news is God can help you with that. Pray with me. God, today I pray that you know who's here and you know what's going on. It's not a surprise to you that this topic would come up on this day, and it's not a surprise to you that people that are here are here this day. And Lord, I pray that if there are people here who really need to hear this message this morning, that you've already spoken to them, and that you help them to get their anger under control. Lord, it doesn't mean that, that you love us any less. But it is something that if we're not giving it to you. Can consume us and hurt other people. And you're not pleased with either one of those outcomes. So Lord, today I pray that you open the eyes of those who need to see. That you open the ears of those who need to hear. And you help us to learn from your servant Moses that there are things, although we are used by you, there are issues that oftentimes we need to continue to let you work on. So thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.